This episode contains content not suitable for children. Viewer discretion is advised. The cartels are here. In fact, they're everywhere. Montana got its wake-up call in December. A multi-million dollar bust in Butte. 22 people arrested. Three of them known associates of the Sinaloa cartel. The group once run by the notorious El Chapo, renowned for their total war tactics and brutality. While the United States government allows illegal aliens to cross into America without having to go through proper legal channels, violent Mexican drug cartels are taking advantage of the open border and trafficking drugs, indentured servants, and gang members across the Rio Grande deep into our country's interior. But how and why are foreign cartels allowed to freely roam the United States with no ramifications? I'm Wade Miller, and this is episode two of Exposed Border Invasion. Cartels have expanded to all 50 states, battling for control of the nation coast to coast. I'm here to let you know that the invasion is real. 14,000 new migrants per day may soon surge over the southern border. They're not afraid of the Mexican government. They're not afraid of the U.S. government, for sure. Governor Abbott, we're asking you to step up. To understand Texas's border crisis, you first have to understand how the cartels operate. I think the cartel, it's a business. And at this point, it's a very well-oiled business. Cartels are highly sophisticated operations. They manufacture and distribute drugs, launder money, smuggle humans, and in some cases, traffic them. The best ones are not only efficient, but also excel at recruiting. Mexican drug cartels didn't rise to prominence until the 1990s. As military forces cracked down on South American drug cartels, Colombian drug manufacturers saw an opportunity to run drugs through Mexico, where the government failed to apprehend traffickers and enforce laws. According to border security expert and retired ICE Homeland Security Investigation Special Agent Victor Avila, the cartels are fearless. They don't care. They're not afraid of the Mexican government. They're not afraid of the U.S. government for sure. They're not afraid of anyone. They're, they're, not, they're not being held back at all. In Mexico, they walk around, and I show these videos, the other part of what the cartel looks like. They look like uh, SWAT military type uh, personnel, fully equipped with these incredible weapons. Mexican cartels gained influence by paying off journalists, law enforcement, and government officials, and now use violence to maintain their hold on the country. The cartels have taken over that country. They run a parallel government there. The most dangerous uh, uh, country for a journalist to work in is in Mexico. They killed officially 15 journalists last year. Unofficially is up to 30. Journalists, they want to report on the cartels. They want to report the truth. Well, what do they do? They get executed and killed by the cartels. That's how they control the media. They control uh, the politicians. And of course, we know they control the police. As the years progressed, cartels established relationships with U.S. street gangs and built trafficking and distribution networks for their products. In 2006, 
the Mexican government deployed more than 50,000 soldiers to cities across the country in hopes of cracking down on the cartel activity. Former President Felipe Calderon began the initiative after the cartel started attacking government troops with armored vehicles, 50 caliber belt-fed machine guns, and grenade rocket launchers. However, corruption in the Mexican federal government hindered progress and allowed the cartels to survive and fight back. Former Acting Deputy Secretary of the U.S. Department of Homeland Security, Ken Cuccinelli, explains the importance of perception in the Mexican government. The Mexican officials you see there are a show. Um, the cartels let them be seen by the United States because it is in their interest for the United States to see what appears to be a functioning federal Mexican government in this territory. During the country's 2021 midterm elections, the cartels murdered more than 35 candidates who pushed back against organized crime in Mexico. As the cartels gained power building their networks around America's southern border, they saw the benefits of human trafficking and smuggling. For a fee, potentially up to as much as $8,000, and the risk of falling into indentured servitude, illegal aliens can hire the cartels to ferry them into the United States. Now, why is the United States government allowing Mexican drug cartels to conduct illegal business on our sovereign land? Under the Biden administration, law enforcement officials along the border are instructed to process illegal aliens and release them into the United States instead of deporting them to their home country. According to Avila, the U.S. Border Patrol agents are short on time and resources, limiting how thoroughly they can screen border crossers. It would take a long time to vet these individuals, and the Border Patrol is not given the time. First of all, 80% of our Border Patrol agents are not on the line. They're not patrolling the border. Second of all, uh, they're processing and they're not processing thoroughly. And so they're letting individuals through, and I'll give you a quick example, because I talk to border agents all the time. There's an individual comes up, he's you know all tattooed up uh, on his face, on his neck. His eyeballs are black, they're tattooed. And you know it's an indication that maybe this guy requires a little bit more questioning. But because the border agents do not have the time, to pick up the phone and at least try to call a consulate of where this individual is from or other means. Maybe the computer is not giving them enough information. They got to process them through through this catch and release process. And this guy is now somewhere living in your community, either in Texas or in New Jersey or in Maryland or in Minneapolis. According to Allison Anderson, a Border Patrol wife and South Texas resident bombarded with smugglers crossing her property agents' hands are tied. We have agents that are out there sweating through their uniforms and working hours on end to catch groups, only to watch those groups be released under this administration. We have agents that are pulling dead children out of the river on a very regular basis. The Border Patrol is an honor-first agency, and you know, under this administration, there is no honor in anything that is going on as far as allowing this to continue happening. Avila says cartels are taking advantage of the open border and stepping up their human smuggling operations, leaving illegal aliens thousands of dollars in debt and desperate to pay the cartels off. I spoke to a Nicaraguan national down in Del Rio, Texas a couple of months ago, and I asked him how much did you pay the cartel to come over here? He says $8,500. 
I said, where'd you get $8,500 to pay the cartel? He says, well, I actually didn't pay him. I owe him the $8,500. And when I get to Minneapolis, I need to start paying him $1,000 a month. And I said, okay, how are you gonna pay him $1,000 a month? Do you have a job over there? No. And if I'm late the first payment, it's $300 penalty. And so what are you gonna do? He says, I don't know. As soon as I get to Minneapolis, I'm gonna have to start looking at how to get $1,000 or else if I don't pay them, they will kill my parents and take their home. This is what the cartels are now doing is now they're exploiting these people in kind of an indentured servitude situation, following them. And I even kidded around a little bit and I said, listen, you made it to Minneapolis, the cartel, who cares, they're gone, they're over there. He's like, no, they're there in Minneapolis. They're waiting for the payment. They're supervising me. And this is what we need to understand is that the cartel has presence in our country everywhere, overlooking their product, overlooking their people, and their people and the, and the illegal aliens are their product. As the cartels shift their focus to trafficking and smuggling people across the border, they're finding new opportunities for a consistent revenue source and often recruit in South America. There's a marketing program that goes on throughout South and Central America, uh, right up through Mexico. They run ads on Facebook. They, I mean, this stuff has been there for years. And, uh, you know, I'm the best coyote of them all. I mean, <laughs> that stuff exists. And those are the front men for the cartels and the gangs. And there's a network of them. The cartels have done the cost-benefit analysis and discovered that human smuggling and trafficking is a better payout than drug smuggling. Although that doesn't mean they've stopped smuggling drugs. South Texas rancher Laura Allen provides a unique perspective from what she can see from her ranch on the Rio Grande. They're running tandems meaning they have one load going in one place and maybe a quarter mile, half mile up the river, they've got another load going in there and then another half mile, mile up the river, they've got another load coming in there. So they're sending multiple loads at one time and hoping that the resources are focused on whichever one they come across first. Sometimes these loads are drugs, sometimes they're humans, and sometimes they're both. The humans pay a lot of money and they realize the exploitation part of human trafficking, that if one victim keeps on paying over and over and over a brick of cocaine, I gotta sell it and I make a great profit, but I gotta go get another brick of cocaine. Well, that victim will give you until she dies or she's ill where she can't work. The cartels are also forcing illegal aliens to work off debts to them in the United States, as Goliad County Sheriff Roy Boyd explains. They've entered into an agreement to conduct illegal business and, and commit crime by a, a crime by coming over and by sneaking into the United States. But when they get to Houston, the cartel then turns around and tells them, you owe us another five, ten thousand dollars And at that point, those individuals don't have the money, their families don't have the money, and they have to pay off that debt. And at that point, they're slaves here in the United States. Call it indentured servitude, call it slavery. It's the same dang thing. Nobody is free to leave once they're in the grips of the cartel. And then from there, the cartel ships them into the United States where they're going to work off that debt. And they may work off that debt being a, a maid at a hotel or, or a cook in a, in a kitchen somewhere, or they may, they may be unloading drugs in a warehouse in Houston, Texas for the next three years or five years. In addition to work labor, there is also sexual exploitation. There's one, one specific case that I worked from Mexico and New York where they were holding uh, victims 
these young girls um, as sex slaves. Basically, they were uh, forced to see 20, 30 to 40 Johns a day at 50, 60 dollars a pop uh, individually. So you imagine 10, 15, 20, 30 victims, how much money in just that one apartment alone the cartel, that organization was making. It was an organization based out of Mexico, taking these girls, smuggling them initially, because they were undocumented, but that smuggling became trafficking with their exploitation. The U.S. government is incentivizing recruitment abroad with their open borders policies and allowing the cartels to enslave people within our sovereign borders. And nobody has the right to treat them like a commodity and bring them in here and turn them into slaves. And I think that is the, the most tragic thing that I see is the fact that we are allowing, as a nation, we are allowing the importation of a peon class that is a, a hidden class of individuals within our free country. Although Mexican drug cartels have infiltrated deep into United States territory, it's not always easy to figure out who is working for the cartel and just how many employees they have. Sheriff Boyd explains why. Profiling the cartel is extremely difficult because they're almost omnipresent. They have, they have people within all of our communities and they are so unpredictable because they have no rules. Their only rule they live by is to make money. And that's all that matters to them. It makes them extremely difficult to profile and to, to kind of get a grasp on because the totality of the cartel presence within the United States is so phenomenally widespread. They're in every town of any size in the United States. The cartel already has a presence. And when you get down where we're at, they're in all of the towns, even the smallest communities. If there's not a cartel member there that's representing the cartel, then it is an operative that works for the cartel. Because you have to look at it this way. You have cartels, you got contractors, you got subcontractors. And that's how they operate in a layered and compartmentalized system that is extremely difficult to crack and get through. If we know that the Mexican drug cartels are moving further and further north into the United States, gaining territory and building distribution networks on American soil, and the U.S. government is dragging its feet, what is Texas doing to stop the cartels? Hi, this is Governor Greg Abbott. Today is the one-year anniversary of Operation Lone Star. We began Operation Lone Star to do the job that Washington would not do. I refused to stand by and let our state be overrun by criminals, deadly drugs like fentanyl, and victims of human trafficking. I directed 10,000 National Guard soldiers and Texas Department of Public Safety troopers to the border to defend our state. Shortly after Texas Governor Greg Abbott launched Operation Lone Star, an initiative designed to assist law enforcement along the border, troops involved in the program voiced concerns that Operation Lone Star amounted to political theater and they were nothing but mall cops along the border. Operation Lone Star authorized the use of all necessary state and local resources to enforce federal and state criminal laws, including trespassing, smuggling, and human trafficking. However, Reports soon surfaced of the Operation Lone Star program shorting troops on pay, leaving them in hazardous living conditions, and failing to secure the border. While Operation Lone Star soldiers worked in subpar conditions, Abbott's initiative seemed to lack teeth. 
Chris Russo, president of Texans for Strong Borders, condemned Abbott's Operation Lone Star for failing to stop the border invasion. If the objective of Operation Lone Star is to stop the flow of people and drugs into our country and reduce the numbers, then it has been an abject failure. Although some may argue the funding and manpower provided are beneficial to border counties, it's only a drop in the bucket of what Texas could be doing to repel the invasion. While Sheriff Boyd said he appreciated Abbott's attempt to solve the border crisis, he called for government officials to stop incentivizing cartels. But why are those individuals coming? Because you have, you have groups, non-governmental organizations, helping gather them up in Latin America. You have other governmental entities like the United Nations, the World Monetary Fund, helping pay for it. You have, you have you know, groups that are, that are supplying money and supplying logistics to get those people here. And then you have our own federal government that is assisting in this process and making it more and more profitable for cartels to bring those people here. So this really, the fault lies within our own system. Our government is the one who is making this a wonderful windfall for the finance of the cartel. And it could all come to an end in a day if they wanted it to. But unfortunately, the federal government does not want this to come to an end. While government officials keep up the appearance of taking action, Citizens along Texas's southern border are facing an unprecedented crisis. Kenny County Attorney Brent Smith said his county is overwhelmed by cartel crimes, human smuggling, and violence stemming from the southern border. You know, there's the parents in town have told their kids, if you hear a helicopter, you run home. Because, you know, the sound of a helicopter means there's a bell out somewhere. And so we're living like in, you know, something you would think of like Ukraine but this is Texas. In the next episode of Exposed Border Invasion, we'll see what life is like for those living on the front lines. And she said, you know, the judge and me realized that at the time, you know, I had a job to do. She said, but the grandma and me wanted to pick that baby up and hold it. The Exposed Podcast is a production of Texas Scorecard. Texas Scorecard is the leading news source for government and culture. Go to texasscorecard.com today. This episode was written by Katie Marshall and Sydney Henry, hosted by Wade Miller, with audio engineering by Drew Cook, and edited and produced by Luke Marshall. Mm-hmm.